Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. Welcome to another edition of Protecting America. Crime is on the rise across the United States, and it comes at a time when several soft-on-crime district attorneys are leading some major U.S. cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Philly, and New York, with new district attorney Alvin Bragg, who, within days of taking over, essentially eliminated and or reduced some major crimes, essentially giving criminals a free pass. And joining us now is the former police commissioner for New York City, Bill Bratton. Commissioner Bratton, so great to have you here on Protecting America. Uh, Great to be with you as always. You know, it's a very troubling time. And I think so much, of course, the first priority is protecting this country. And I think so much of the sentiments, especially of the new Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, it's been making headlines across the country. Your thoughts about his basically sort of soft on crime policies that he's now pushing down to prosecutors? Well, unfortunately, he's not alone. There's a whole uh, group of district attorneys, like-minded district attorneys in many of the major cities around the country. And I can safely say, almost without exception, every one of those cities has had rising crime rates since, since those district attorneys were elected. They're well-intended in their desire to bring about uh, criminal justice reform, but how they're going about it in most instances is not delivering uh, in the sense that it's delivering more crime. Uh, there's fewer people in jail, certainly, but that means many more of them are out in jail, out in the streets committing that crime. So uh, it is a significant irony that the part of the criminal justice system that is charged with the prosecution of arrests that the police make are no longer cooperating with those police forces. They have effectively uh, gone over to the legal defense side of the uh, uh, ledger and really tipped the scales of justice significantly in favor of the defendants and basically not in favor of the victims. And uh, as we see as the body counts rise around America, particularly among the minority community, at some point in time there will be a... uh, uh, a very sizable call for change. It's, it's going to take a while, but uh, we can already see the uh, the damage that they're doing, which is significant. What was your reaction when you heard that, okay, almost on day one, basically his first memo was, okay, here are crimes that will no longer be prosecuted, and here are crimes that will be reduced, you know, from felonies to misdemeanors. Um, that is really troubling. It was like he couldn't wait to kind of start reducing the crimes. Well, uh, in fairness to him, uh, there was nothing in that memo that I was aware of that he did not talk about in the campaign. And the problem with district attorney campaigns around the country, particularly in the primaries, most people think, well, DAs, it's a personality thing, but the DA is going to protect me. The DA is going to work with the police to put bad guys in jail. Alvin Bragg from the get-go said that's not what he was going to do. He was going to keep them out of jail at all costs. And uh, the public just not did not listen. Uh, Ed Koch had a very famous line when he lost his last election to David Dinkins. Uh, well, the people have spoken. Now they must be punished. Well, uh, in Manhattan, they're going to be punished severely with these policies, as we see every day with these horror stories coming out of the courts. 
of uh, individuals that are not being appropriately charged. So uh, he was uh, he was hiding in plain sight, uh, and the mistake he made probably, and I'm not aware that any of the other district attorneys around the country were as open in putting into writing their policies. A lot a lot of it was done behind closed doors, uh, the decision making on how to charge somebody. In his case, uh, he he put it out there and. Uh, uh, the Democrats in the national elections this year are going to beat, uh, get uh, beaten severely by beaten up severely by the Republicans, who will use this letter as an example of these progressive left-leaning woke Democrat prosecutors and what they're doing to the criminal justice system in America. So, uh, if you notice, there's not too many people embracing his policies at high levels in government. Tell his colleagues in uh, New York City, the other DAs have backed away from it significantly, that uh, that's not my policy, that's not me, that's him. And uh, even on the national level, I don't think you're going to see a great deal of embrace. I was interested to watch Al Sharpton's reaction uh, at the uh, Action Network, that uh, you didn't see Sharpton basically really giving a a close bear hug. Al recently has been a little more outspoken about the idea of needing to do something about black crime because he recognizes that they're losing more lives to black criminals than they are to police and to other, uh, uh, what they might describe as racist policies. So even Al, I think, is a little concerned that this may give a significant black eye to progressive reform. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on what it does do to crime um, and how it really does embolden the criminal and not crack down, because it's almost, I compare it, and you know much better than I do, Commissioner Bill Bratton, but, you know, it's like a child who puts their hand on the stove, and if the stove is hot, well, then they don't do it again. But if they commit a crime and they just get a slap in the wrist or, you know, or they're out within a few minutes, um, that isn't teaching them a lesson. This doesn't break the cycle, correct? That's correct. Uh, two thoughts on that. I'm, I'm very closely associated with the concept known as broken windows, the article written by Jim Wilson and George Kelling and I'm probably the principal practitioner, successful practitioner, of tying broken windows, dealing with minor crime, uh, coupled with dealing more successfully with serious crime, with systems like CompStep. And the secret of the success I think I had in New York twice, Los Angeles, Boston, was linking serious crime with minor crime, understanding that more minor crime you allow to happen, you might have more serious crime. And that's how we broke the back of it in Los Angeles and in New York and in Boston. And the irony up until 2018 and 19, when the New York legislature went off the rails and basically come up with their criminal justice reform package that destroyed the criminal justice system that was working in New York. Prior to 2018, 2019, prison population in New York State was already down by over 40%. Jail population in Rikers was down by over 60, maybe 70% from its real peak. Why? As police had changed behavior so much, had controlled behavior so much, there were many more fewer criminals out committing crime, and many fewer criminals committing many crimes. Every time I see somebody that's arrested and they show that he's been arrested 10 or 20 times, that character's probably committed two to 300 crimes. You know how difficult it is to catch somebody? So when they say he only has 20 uh, arrests on his record, I'll guarantee you he's got 200 crimes that he committed. Uh, we might not have been there to detect all of them. We might not be able to prove them all. But we're dealing with these career recidivist criminals. And 
What Bragg is trying to do and what these district attorneys are attempting to do without success, and they will not have success because the money is not there, the programs, successful programs are not there, to deal with the recidivists. Our prisons and our jails remain basically uh, punishment uh, uh, facilities, and they don't spend money on rehabilitation, most of them. And when these characters get out of jail, they come out and basically they're poorly supervised. They're, they're not housed appropriately. They haven't been trained to do anything. I think Eric Adams in his campaign talked about how something like 80-some-odd percent of the people at Rikers, for example, do not have high school diplomas, and that as many as 30 or 40 percent of them uh, have dyslexia, the same issue that he had growing up, and so he understands it firsthand. So that... Uh, the DAs, these DAs, are well-intended in trying to address those issues, but they're basically putting the cart before the horse. Before you start effectively letting them out of jail or not sending to jail in the first place, you need to have these programs in place. You need to have them funded. And effectively, uh, they don't. And so that's why they're failing all over the country and will continue to fail. It's much the same, you talked earlier about the defund the police movement, how stupid that movement was, and how everybody's now run away from it. I see the mayor in San Francisco uh, is really uh, basically uh, learned that uh, defunding the police didn't work in her city, and she has now basically come back to set up uh, a number of other cities, including Minneapolis, where it all began with the death of George Floyd. They lost almost a third of their police department, and you see where that city is right now. It's a total mess that... Uh, the idea is defund the police doesn't work because you're going to take the money from the police to basically create social programs, to create drug uh, addiction programs. Police budgets are already stretched very thin. There's not enough money in those budgets to fund those programs. So unless they fund them independently, effectively, they're not going to work. And if you take money away from the police, who is it that ends up the final uh, call, if you will, coming in to deal with these situations? It's the police. Well, if there's fewer of them, or if the police feel so disillusioned and so maligned that they're not responding as effectively uh, or as comprehensively in the past, it's a recipe for disaster. So we're in for a tough year. It's tough. Some of the stuff works itself out. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? I was looking at some of the numbers also with defunding the police and sort of this climate. Um, and I know you know these numbers all too well, Commissioner Bratton, but right now there's about 750,000 law enforcement officers in the United States. I guess it was about a year or a little over a year ago, there was 850,000. I mean, you think about the population's increased, and yet we have 100,000 less police officers. A lot of it is because a lot of folks, and I'm sure they talk to you all the time, I have many friends in law enforcement, they say it's too tough to be a police officer, no matter what city it's in. And you've, you know, you've overseen the biggest departments in the country, you know, between New York and of course, you know, also in Los Angeles and Boston. I mean, you know it all too well, but it, it's hard to retain officers in this climate. Rita, let me take you back in time in terms of one of the things that my 50 years of experience uh, uh, allows me to comment on is history. And uh, the crime growth in the 70s and 80s, during that period of time, we also were losing police officers. New York City laid off 5,000 officers in the 70s in the midst of some of the worst crime years in their history at a time when a dozen cops a year were being killed on the streets. In Boston, as superintendent, I had to lay off 25% of the police force during a budget crisis. And what was the impact? Well, in the 80s, when crack cocaine epidemic exploded with all the drug dealing and the violence, we just did not have enough resources. 
So coming around the corner into 1990, what did Dave Jenkins do, a very progressive liberal black mayor in a city with an exploding crime rate? The first thing he did, this is his claim to fame and all credit to him, he was able to get legislative approval to hire 6,000 more cops. I benefited from that as police commissioner under Giuliani as I had a lot of cops to work with. I had over 38,000 cops to work with. And I had the ideas to deal with crime disorder at the same time, but I also had the resources. We also had at the national level, Bill Clinton and Joe Biden, along with the majority, if not all, of the black leadership in Congress, Senate, and, uh, well, actually in the House of Reps, I don't think there was any in the Senate, supported the idea of the Omnibus Crime Bill of 1994. And what did that bill do? It raised money for 100,000 additional cops, assault weapons ban, more money for prisons, because it was understood more people were going to have to go to jail to break the back of the crime epidemic, much the same as you have to use a lot of chemo and radiation to break the back of a cancer in a patient. And uh, what did it do? It broke the back of the crime epidemic. By the end of the century, overall crime in the U.S. was down by 40%. In New York City, homicides were down over 70%. Overall crime down over 50%. Wow. And it stayed, stayed that way to 2018. And what happened in 2018? Uh, unfortunately, uh, de Blasio started defunding uh, while he was tremendous uh, to me, funding my time with him. He basically got caught up in the issue of defunding the police and the size of the police force in New York, shrank by a couple of thousand. And the legislature passed criminal justice reform that basically took so many powers away from the cops. In the meantime, we started electing these uh, progressive DAs. So uh, your point about, I think the exact number, and it's hard to get an exact number. We don't even know what the exact number of police departments are. But I think the most recent number I saw was 737,000 police officers in a country that now has probably 50 to 60 million more people, if not more, than we had in 1994 when the crime bill passed the last time. So while we have a country that has a lot less crime, the traditional crime, what else do we have in the 21st century? We have cybercrime. We have terrorism. We have drone crime. We have uh, all these horrific human trafficking issues. Uh, The explosion of things the police are expected to deal with and police budgets haven't increased that dramatically, and the size of police forces have not. So uh, there's an expression uh, that I'll share with you and your audience that uh, was used to describe the LAPD to me when I took it over in 2002. Uh, the motto of the LAPD is to protect and serve. It's on the side of every one of their cars, and they do a great job of doing that. But the unofficial model was too few who have been asked to do too much for too long with too little. Well, that's American policing. Too few now, even more, uh, uh, reduction in numbers, were being asked to do too much with all the new responsibilities with too little. And uh, so what do you expect? And thank God we have cops that every day you see it running toward the danger. Uh, Chris Ray, the FBI director, had a wonderful op-ed today, wonderful op-ed, basically saying to politicians, hey, it's time to uh, basically start backing the police instead of constantly dividing them and defunding them. You need to start standing up for America's police because the vast, vast majority of them are doing what you'd expect of them. And so uh, it's great news when the head of a uh, major law enforcement organization in the country starts standing up for cops, and we need more of that from our politicians.
Absolutely. And, you know, I'm so proud. On my radio show, I have a segment every night called Back the Blue. You know, I love our men and women in blue. And you're right. There has to be a sentiment that enough is enough. And I'm happy to see that in some of these liberal cities, as you talked about in San Fran, there has been a turnaround. We just need to see more of that. And people have to voice their support for the best and the best of us, which I do think is our men and women in law enforcement. Um, Commissioner Bill Bratton, who did such a superb job in New York, in Boston, and of course, Los Angeles. We're so grateful for you for joining us on Protecting America. And thanks for all you do uh, to keep us safe and continue to do. Thank you so much, Commissioner. Thank you. All the best. Okay, to you and your listeners. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight, on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.